evening and welcome to Steadfast on this week before Christmas. I'm so glad to be with you. And as we find ourselves in the week before Christmas, let's play a little game. I want to ask you a question and see what you think of. If I ask you this question about Christmas, maybe you want to put your answer in the chat, but I have a feeling it's not going to be all that exciting because, well, let's just get right to it. Let me say this phrase and you see what you think about. I'm dreaming of. Now, like I said, it's probably not all that exciting because I bet every one of you, you heard the answer being sung in your head. You're dreaming of a white Christmas. We all think of that, that postcard perfect Christmas picture, that, that picture of the beautiful snow, the Christmas lights glowing in it. Something we don't get all that often here in St. Louis. It happens every once in a while. We hope for it. But most of our snow comes in January and February. But we all know that picture. We visualize that picture of Christmas with the snow. I, I love snow pretty much any time it can come, as long as it's not right in the middle of a service or something where I'm afraid people are going to be at risk on the roads. I love snow, and I love snow at Christmas because you look out and you do see those lights, and you it just feels right. You, you see for a moment, you hear that silence that, that comes with the snow. You see the purity of that white blanket of snow rounding out all the roughness and the dirt of the world, and it feels like a picture of what Christmas does, that that blanket of love that God brings into the world. And yet, there's always something sad about snow, at least here in a place like Missouri, where the snow doesn't stay on the ground once it falls. You, you get it for maybe a few days, but then you start to hear that, that clinking of the water in the gutters, and you realize it's melting, and you look outside, see on the street the, the dirty piles of snowy mush, from the cars and you look out and you see the things that were covered up and made to look beautiful with the snow poking back through. And, and suddenly the beauty of that snow is replaced with a sadder, dirtier looking world that really feels worse than where we started. And sometimes that can feel like where we're headed with Christmas. Right now we, we have the blizzard coming in, the, the first flurries are, are falling, and we know the joy of Christmas is right around the corner. The hope of Christmas is right around the corner. But where are we going to be in a week or so? A week from now will be Christmas Day, and, and then the next day, some people, hopefully not any of you, because we're going to talk about the 12 days of Christmas, but some people are going to take down their decorations and just move on. And everyone will move on. The, the packages will be unwrapped. The Christmas meal will be eaten. The events that even trail Christmas and, and go between Christmas and New Year's, they will pass. And then the question is, is, is Christmas just a melting blanket of snow? So that as we go into the cold, harsh January, it feels like that, that picture of, for a moment of God's peace, that picture of purity, that picture of righteousness has melted away. And we're back to a colder, sadder, dirtier world. Well, the reason we've been going through Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence, that beautiful Christmas carol, and thinking about the biblical truth behind it is because it doesn't leave us there in the melting snow of the past but talks about a pure, more lasting snow, a snow that never goes away, a snow that takes away the dirtiness of the world and stays forever. Listen to these beautiful words of the last verse of the carol. It says, At his feet the six-winged seraph, cherubim with sleepless eye, veil their faces to his presence, as with ceaseless voice they cry, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Lord Most High. 
And we think about that picture, we see it in the prophets, we see it in Revelation, going into the very presence of God, of something that's going to happen for all eternity. And it's not just a random thing to stick this in with talking about Jesus coming into the world. Rather, as we saw last week, it speaks of what we find in Scripture of Jesus battling Satan and all of hell to do what? To what we're going to see tonight, which is bring us into that lasting eternal praise of God. Bring us into that place where the beautiful purity of the snow will never be replaced with dirt. And that's where we land tonight. And that's what we're going to look at. We're actually going to turn back to John chapter 6 that we've been looking at on Sunday nights. And we're going to pick up just a few verses past where Jason had us last night. We're going to look at John 6 verse 48 to start tonight. And as we do, let's come before our God in prayer. Father, would you help us as we, we contemplate Christmas? Would you help us to see how the truth of it, the, the hope of it, isn't something that's going to pass next week? It isn't really about a single day. It's about everything that you've done in every one of the days that has been numbered since then. And every day that will come still before our Savior Jesus returns. Would you give us hope in that? To hold on to the truth that the snow that we see, that joy, that purity that we see in a moment at Christmas isn't a purity that melts away, but it's the thing that lasts forever and that we are invited into. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and take a look at John chapter 6, verse 48. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Sounds simple enough, doesn't it? Now, we immediately think of communion. That's a good thing to think about. That's a good place to go with that, that Jesus is preparing the people. They don't know that yet. It's still not time for that Last Supper, it's going to be a while before all the pieces come together. But Jesus is preparing them to think about how, in some sense, our nourishment is going to come from him. That, that yes, we eat earthly bread, but as we talked about the last few weeks, what we really need is his bread. And a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about the manna from heaven. And you think about back in the Exodus, back in that time with the Israelites, and the wonder of God bringing down that food that would nourish them. But as we recognize, it only nourished them for a moment. It had to happen every day. They, they still got hungry. But Jesus is the one who nourishes us with something that lasts. And Jesus is the one who nourishes us with something that lasts not just for a week or two weeks or for our earthly lifetime, but for all eternity if we are feeding on him. It's the beautiful thing, I think, about A Christmas Carol, like the one that we've been working through here. One of the wonderful things about those old carols is they're so rich in the truth of Scripture. Now, I, I love all Christmas music, and I'll get into a good rendition of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, or Frosty the Snowman, or, or We Wish You a Merry Christmas, or whatever else, as much as anyone. I, I enjoy all those. I turn on the different eras and genres of Christmas music throughout the season. I, I love it all. But there's something special about the carols. It's sad when oftentimes those are almost entirely replaced with the secular tunes. I understand all the dynamics going on there, but think about it for a moment. People are going to be listening over and over again. Over They have been. We all have been for weeks we will be for a little bit longer at least listening to these stories about Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph and, and so on. And they're, they're fun, but they're about f fiction. 
They're about characters that never existed. And there's nothing wrong with that. We can go into the worlds of fiction, but you think about how so often now people associate Christmas, the celebrations of it, as much with these stories about characters that were made up. Rudolph was made up to, to sell things at a department store, for example. You think about that, all that excitement around that. It does melt away because there's nothing to it. It's not actually changing anything. We we can have the fond memories of our celebrations where we heard these things and so on. But when it really comes down to it, it doesn't change anything in life. So it goes away in January because it's not telling us anything lasting. It's not telling us anything that changes our lives. When we think of the carols, when we think of a, a, a beautiful carol like Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence, speaking of the one story that we come back to over and over again at Christmas that actually did happen. The one that actually gave us the reason to have Christmas. It was Jesus' birthday. Jesus came into the world. Now, as we've said before, and I'll, you'll hear me say it again, we don't want to stake too much on December 25th. It's not that the Bible says that Jesus was born in December on the 25th day of the month or anything like that. But we know he was born on a day in the world, and this is the day that the church celebrates that. It's a day just to remember that miracle, because the key thing is, you can't point to Rudolph's birthday because he didn't have one. But you can point to Jesus' birthday, the, the one who gives us eternal, lasting food, because he really did come into the world. There is a day in history, even if we don't know that exact date, there is a day in history before Jesus was born into the world. And there's a day after he was born into the world. There's a day that he was born into the world. And that makes the difference because as he calls us to himself, he's not calling us like Frosty calls his friends to go have fun, but he never actually really did it. Jesus, when he says he'll be back again someday, really will be because Jesus really was here to begin with. And that's where we get the hope that Christmas isn't going to just melt away. Not really. Not the real truth of Christmas. And so when we sing carols like that one, we're singing of life, real life, eternal life. That's one thing I'm hoping that as we've gone through this, that maybe the next time you hear that carol, it's not just something beautiful and 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 memorable about Christmas's past. Maybe you remember hearing it as a kid, that sort of thing. But as you hear it, you hear the very words of Scripture that it's reflecting on. And that as we all do, we reflect on that and we're reminded, yes, we may play this song this time of year, we may sing it this time of year, but as we do, we're singing of the eternal life that's here every single day of the year. One of the reasons I love taking time to sing those Christmas carols, that we take a break from some of the other songs that we're, we're used to. Why do we do it? Because they're so rich in the truth that we reflect on this time of year, but has impact all the rest of the year. And it takes us all the way to what happens when we get to Easter and the cross. Jesus gives us eternal life. He feeds us and, and takes us out of that melting world into one that doesn't melt. Jesus allows us to live. That's what we see if we go back to where Jason had us last night. John six thirty eight, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of, the, of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
There is the heart of it. Jason said last night that we asked that question, is there something more? Sometimes we ask that about Christmas Day itself. Is there something more? It feels so exciting and it's joyful. And then you get to the end of the day and you're cleaning up and you've said goodbye to everyone. And Is there something more? Speaking of those Christmas songs, I, I, I do switch around where I listen to it. I listen to my own collection. I listen to the different radio stations. But something that's always sad is turning on whatever station happens to be in your town that plays the Christmas music constantly. It's playing up through the 11 o'clock hour of Christmas Day, but you know it's going to hit that midnight hour. And alas, they don't celebrate the 12 days of Christmas, it seems like, on radio stations. So you hit that midnight hour, and it's off. And on comes the music that plays all the rest of the year. On comes the, the normal songs that are singing of hopelessness and, and, and longing and everything else, but not of the solution. Is there something more? Jesus talked about the resurrection, and Jesus talks about his rescue of us. We talked a little bit last night about Numbers 21, 4 to 9, or the picture of what happened there. And let's just go back there and look at it. From Mount Horror, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Now I want to take a, a moment and pause here. There's a reason why I'm going back to this today, and, and I, I think it's because we need to hear this. Now, why do I think that? Well, tonight's sermon is one that I had prepared before Jason preached last night, and we didn't talk about exactly what he was going to cover. He was going to preach from John chapter 6, from those verses, 30, 35 to 40, that that he did, and that we just returned to. But we didn't talk about any other verses we might refer to like this section in Numbers. We hadn't discussed that. And then he mentioned it last night. And it struck me because it, it makes sense. That's why I wanted to refer to it tonight as we, we went through those next few verses. But it struck me as he did that because it, it doesn't directly refer to it. That it was kind of interesting. I had to think that God was nudging us towards this, this passage because why would we both go back to this one? Isn't it interesting? I love how God does that sometimes. He just keeps bringing us back to verses. And, and when he does, I want to go and, and dive into them because it seems like there must be some reason he wants us there. And I think for us with this, it's because it's so important that we understand where we look at Christmas time. We look at a lot of things at Christmas time. We, we think about peace on earth. That's a wonderful thing. We think about making the people around us happy. We think about spending time with family and and friends and and celebrating we think about good food and finding the right gifts and think about all that stuff 
Think about some of the stuff that irritates us, long return lines, prices that aren't what we wish they were, whether people are referring to it as Christmas or the holidays, all these sorts of things that get our attention. But the real question is, are we looking to the only one who actually offers anything that lasts beyond Christmas? Now, when that fiery serpent appeared, people had a choice. Were they going to look to that fiery serpent or not? Were they going to look to that picture that said, hey, it seems useless to look at a snake on a pole, but God said we should. Or were they going to say, you know, I know snake bites and looking at anything doesn't fix it. I, I, it's just not going to do it. And some people died. Some people, all of us deserve to die. All of us have done things that are displeasing God. Some people actually experienced in that moment in a unusual way, the, the, righteous anger of God. But some people experience the righteous but inexplicable grace of God because he allowed them, even though they'd acted wrongly, even though they deserved to, to die, even though they deserved to be cut off from him, they looked at this thing that God designated and he offered salvation in that moment, physical salvation. But then even then, those people still died physical deaths. And we think about celebrating Christmas, we think about going to church, we think about all these things, and, and we wonder, where does following God's word today fall? Those people died, and 2,000 years of Christians have also died. But what does Jesus offer? He offers an ultimate solution that goes beyond where we are right now. He offers eternal life. He doesn't say that we're going to avoid physical death. He doesn't say we're going to avoid pain in this moment. He says if we look to him, he will offer us something, even though it seems inexplicable in the moment, like looking to that, that pole with a snake on it that Moses held up. It seems inexplicable. Well, Jesus said he's the bread of life. What's that going to do? But he was going to offer something that wouldn't pass by. And that's where we get to John chapter 3, verse 14. And, Moses, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus was calling us to look to something more, to look to something beyond what we see right in front of us, whether at Christmas or beyond. We can get so fixed on celebrating Christmas, we don't actually do that very much. But do we really stop and think when we think of that baby in the manger? That baby in the manger wasn't just a baby in the manger, and not just even, if we can say that, not just God either, but God in flesh. This is so, so essential for us to understand in this. Because as we all sin, as we are all 1.0 human, so to speak, here came human 2.0, the second Adam, as the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 47. The first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Jesus came into the world as a real human being, but for the first time a human being that did things the right way. God came into the world and showed us how it's done. He came into the world. He lived a righteous life. He taught righteousness. He called people to follow in his way. 
And as he did that, he opened the gates for us to experience humanity 2.02. We're broken, but God offers the upgrade. God offers us the chance to experience snow that doesn't melt. And if you haven't, then may tonight be the night that you do. This Christmas week, what could be a better week to experience that Jesus loves you, that Jesus is there for you, that Jesus knows that you're sinful and knows that you're broken because all of us are, I am, and everyone listening tonight is? That Jesus loves you and will restore you. And we don't necessarily see all that on Christmas Day. We will experience brokenness almost inevitably on Christmas Day. If not in other people, certainly in ourselves. We're going to experience it every other day of the year. But we know there will be a day that, because there was Christmas, a day that we are restored to more than we've ever been. We'll get that upgrade because we will finally experience what it's like to live without sin. That we we were talking last night in Sunday school about free will. We will freely will to always do what's right and good. And we'll be glad for that. It won't be that it's forced. It'll be that it's something that we want to do. How often do we want to do what's right now, but yet we still fall into sin? Someday that won't happen anymore. God will make us right. That's an invitation for all of us this Christmas season, that we would turn to him and we would experience the first step towards that. Because someday as those angels continue eternally to sing, Alleluia, 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 Lord Most High, we will actually come into the presence of God and He's not going to just hold us off at a distance because he's holy and righteous and the angels have praised him from all eternity. He'll call us to sit at his table. He'll see the tears that have been coming down our cheeks and wipe them away. Tell us he loves us. He'll eat with us. Can you imagine? That's the kind of fellowship the Bible describes. And that's what we're celebrating on Christmas Day. And that's our challenge for those of us who are following Jesus as well. Because imagine, maybe at some point someone's thrown you a party. Maybe it's a retirement party or a job promotion party, graduation party, birthday party, whatever it might be. And it's a significant party. There are lots of people there. And especially if you're more like me, you're more of an introvert, what sometimes happens in such a setting, even if you're the guest of honor, so to speak, well, people start talking to other people and there's someone else who might be the life of the party and so on. And, and suddenly the party isn't really all that much about you, even though it's supposed to be celebrating whatever it is, whatever occasion it is that is about you. Too often, even as Christians, that's exactly what we do every Christmas day. We throw a giant birthday party for Jesus, but we end up talking to all the other guests and we forget about Jesus. We forget that the point of Christmas, the thing that we should be driving home to ourselves And the thing that we should lovingly be sharing to everyone around us is that Jesus came for them on Christmas Day. That there's that chance to be humanity 2.0, to be in the very presence of the angels and to sing praises to God, to experience finally what we really were meant to be, the best Christmas gift we could ever have. And so let's challenge ourselves this Christmas time. Are we communicating that at Christmas? Is that what we're saying? Are we keeping the guest of honor, the guest of honor at Christmas? Really? Not just getting angry when people don't, but actually showing his love, actually looking like him, actually living like him, actually making people who don't already know him want to know him. Because Jesus gives us life beyond this mortal moment, so let's not take this moment and waste it. Let's take this moment, this very Christmas week, and turn all the more to him. Help more people to know him. Invite someone to to read the Christmas story together. 
or to come to church with you, whether online or in person, or or just to sing some Christmas carols together, some of these ones that have these beautiful stories, and, and maybe sing Let's Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence Together, and, and help someone to understand that Jesus gives us that life beyond this mortal moment. Because this Christmas will pass. The gifts will someday be forgotten. But that eternal life will last forever. Would you pray with me, please? Father, would you help us to hold on to what is really true and lasting this Christmas? that we would never forget it, that we would have both the, the willingness to come if we haven't yet already, to experience that for the first time, to be before you, but also as we trust in you, that we wouldn't trust in you and yet still end up throwing the party for you while focusing on other things, that we wouldn't throw that big party in and even be grumbling about how other people are missing it, all the while we're, we're not really showing your love. Would you help us instead to actually live the love that comes at Christmas time, that more people would know you, that you would use us as instruments of your truth, that you'd show us the opportunities we have this season to share with others, and that you would indeed empower us to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope this has been an encouragement to you, and if it has, consider sharing this video. Maybe share this whole little journey through this carol. I've so enjoyed going through it and looking at the biblical truth behind it with you, and I hope that it's been a blessing to you. There are all kinds of opportunities to get further involved with Christmas at Little Hills. Let me just point out to you that this week, Christmas Eve is right ahead. It's Sunday night, and we would love to have you in person or online at 5.30 p.m. as we celebrate the birth of the Savior together. Please do join us at Little Hills for our Christmas Eve service. Also, starting next Monday night, we are going to jump all into a follow-up to this series, Let All Mortal Flesh Spread Joy. Thinking about what we just talked about, we're going to look over the 12 days of Christmas at the fruit of the Spirit. And as we do, we're going to think about how God brings that fruit up. He enables us. We give fruit baskets sometimes at Christmas. Let's give a, a spiritual fruit basket to those around us this Christmas time. That's what we're going to be thinking about over the 12 days of Christmas and through Steadfast during that time as it goes along with our 12-day of Christmas devotional booklet that will be available to download on Christmas Eve. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed and merry week. And if you have any prayer requests, any questions, feel free to shoot us a text at the texting line on screen, 833-356-4032, or leave a comment in the comments below. Such a blessing to hear from you. I'll see you again very soon.